So if I was to ask you to rate your life today on a scale from 1 to 10, what would you give it? 10 being like the best your life has ever been and 1 being the worst your life has ever been. I'm not that concerned about the number. What I want to know is what would you use to measure that scale? Like what would your measurements be? Okay, so for my boys that live at my house, the best life is always surrounded by food and video games. So like limitless supplies of Dr. Pepper and cookie two-step ice cream from Bluebell, and then like nobody monitoring screens, and of course, no school. That would be the best life. I called my sister Susanna and said, what would your daughter, who's my niece, my four-year-old niece, say is her best life? And she was like, oh my gosh, she would want just tons of lapstick. That's what she calls chapstick. She would want every night when she goes to have her bath for someone to give her a sparkly bath bomb. Did y'all know these things exist? Okay. And, and then you know how on Easter, sometimes super special, you get like this hollow bunny, but you only get it once a year. Well, she would want it every day. That would be her best life. I asked my parents and their best life would be just being together wherever they are. But I know my mom, her best life would be being with my dad, but that doesn't always mean doing what my dad wants to do, like moving to the middle of nowhere, Montana, and having nine months of winter. But they're together. How would you define your best life? And then, are you anywhere close to living it? Over the past three weeks, we have been in this series called On Being. And if you're wondering where that came from, a couple decades ago when I had my first job where I had a long commute in a car, I discovered radio. And I discovered this talk radio and shows. And there was this show called On being. You know, so we've been looking at, at answering some of these questions and I, I was so excited when I went back onto the website and discovered what the purpose for this, web, this, this show is called. Listen to what it says. The On Being radio show and podcast was created by Krista Tippett inside a legacy media organization in 2003. It began with this controversial idea for public radio conversation that would treat the religious and spiritual aspects of life as seriously as we treat politics and economics and might I say in 2021 school board meetings. On being, as it has evolved, it takes up the great questions of meaning in 21st century lives and at the intersection spiritual inquiry, science, social healing, and the arts. What does it mean to be human? How do we want to live and who will we be with each other? And so what we've been doing over the past couple of weeks is looking at what does scripture say? How would scripture answer those questions? What is, does it mean to be human? Well, scripture says to be human is to actually be a creation of God, to exist in God. That our very being cannot be separated from God, whether we are aware of it or not. How do we want to live? Well, we want to live our best life. And that is a life that is with God 
and with others. Next week, Stacey's going to talk a little bit about who we will be to each other. But for today, I want us to, to, just to consider the question, why does it even matter? Is there any benefit to the being that we have in God? And to help us with that, we're going to look at this text that I know most of you have heard this story and read this story dozens of times throughout your life. So I invite you to lean in and listen to it again. This is from the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all of she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his clothes. And immediately her hemorrhage or her bleeding, it stopped. And then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the women saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. On the surface, this is just a story, another amazing story about someone who has some type of physical infirmity and they get healed. Let's lean in, listen again to what happens in this text. Jesus is walking. Crowds are pressing in on him. It's like ACL weekend times 50. Everybody's pressing in on him. A woman who has been suffering for 12 years, we're told she spent all she had. We're told no one could cure her. Crowds pressing in on Jesus. The first thing... I identify with is I wonder, have any of us felt pressed in, in life lately? I was thinking about my boys, school all day, and trying so hard to focus all day and not fall asleep with that boring teacher. And then there's hopefully some activity after school, but then, I mean, once you're in eighth grade and up, you're back, you're back in school at night. You're back doing the work, pressed in. I think about those of you that go to an office or to a job outside of your home. And you're like hoping that you have some activity to be able to get away to, whether it be exercise or mahjong. But then you get home, you're so excited to finally be home, maybe greet your children, pick up that baby. And then the dog has found the one piece of carpet in the house to throw up on. Pressed in. And then I think about those of you that are at home or live by yourself all day. And you've made your list of the friends you're going to reach out to. You're going to write notes so faithfully. You're going to make phone calls and maybe you have a visit planned. But 
as the day goes on, it's like I don't have the emotional or physical energy to complete that to-do list, feeling pressed in. We are in good company, friends. This woman who had been suffering for 12 years, and the scripture is so clear to tell us that all she felt like she had to do was like touch a thread of Jesus' clothing. No one could heal her. She had spent all that she had. Obviously her money. But she was done. This was the last resort. I know that there are so many in here looking out that have been struggling with health issues for 12 years or more. Whether it be mental health or physical health. Some of you have been told, well, there's, this is what you need to do to feel better. You need to follow this certain regimen. You need to eat better. You need to exercise. You need to sleep more. And yet you still don't feel better. The ones who have been told, we have done all we can do. That's what the doctors have told my dad. He has arrhythmia, electrical heart problem. He's had the surgeries. He's taking the medicine. There's nothing they can do. The ones that in this room that have been told, we have ruled out everything that we know of. But we don't know why you're still having the fever or the nausea or the headaches. She had spent all she had. No one could heal her. She had done all that she did, was supposed to do. I bet you she'd followed a regimen. But she wasn't getting any better. So she comes up behind Jesus in this last effort and she just touches this little hem of his robe and the scripture says that her bleeding immediately stopped. In that moment, Jesus felt something. He felt like power surge out from his body. And so he says, who did that? In the scripture, you, you know, she comes trembling. I, I think she was so scared that the bleeding was going to come back. Oh no, oh no. And so she says, it was me. She she declares in the presence of all the people, I was the one who touched you and I was immediately healed. You see, the woman says out loud that the illness that she had suffered from, the physical debilitation that she had had for 12 years that no one could heal, it had been miraculously healed when she touched his hem. But look, y'all, look what Jesus says. When he talks to her, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The word that's used here for well is totally different from the word that was used when she touched the hem and she was healed. That word's therapeuo, where we get our word therapy. And there's, there's other words for healing, like when a paralyzed man is made to be able to walk, he is iastheo. He is made physically better. But no, that's not what's used here. The word that's used here is sosthano. It's used all throughout the New Testament, and it means to be saved. It means to be made whole. It means to have one's sins forgiven. And what Jesus is saying to this woman is, yes, you have been physically healed by touching me, but there is more. You have been made well. You see, there is a difference between being physically healed and being made 
physically, spiritually, emotionally whole. Living a life where even if you get sick, that you could still be well. This is the type of healing that Jesus points out to. I think some of y'all know that at my previous church, my mentor there, Lane Alderman, he served that church for 20 years and I got to work with him for about 17 of those. And I started there in 2002. And as soon as I got there, I realized a narrative that was in the congregation that I did not know about before I joined the staff. And that was that two years before, at the age of 45, which is how old I am now, Lane Alderman was diagnosed with male breast cancer. It's like the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. He had to do all the things that you would expect a woman would do when they get diagnosed with breast cancer, the surgeries, the chemo. I just thought he had short hair. No, it was the chemo. So by the time I get to the staff, it has been 18 months and he is cancer free. And so we're just doing ministry. He's basically teaching me everything that he knows. And then in the summer of 2010, when he's 55, his back starts hurting him. You can imagine, he goes and gets his PET scan. And I'll never forget how he described it to the congregation. The doctor said, oh, Lane, your lungs look like they have stars in them. It was everywhere. So he began this regimen of chemo. And what he would do, I mean, he was just so amazing, is that he would teach this early morning Bible study on Tuesdays at 7 in the morning. Then he would teach the old men's Bible study. That's what he called it, just saying, at 1030. And then he would be at Northside Hospital by 1 for his chemo. And then he would be sick all week. And he would drag himself out of bed on Sunday, and he would preach that sermon to us. And, y'all, he did this for three years. So it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, three years later. So this is 2013. And I come in assisting him in worship, and the title of the sermon is The Power of Gratitude in Healing. And it's like, here's this man who's completely dying of cancer, getting ready to preach this sermon to us. And I went back and listened to it. And he does, does this whole list of uh, all these things that he's thankful for. He talks about, oh, I'm so excited to spend time with my family this week at Thanksgiving. I've been so blessed with the family. I'm so blessed with this church. I'm so blessed with these dreams that all of you have for the future of the kingdom. And then he says this. He says, you know, when I count my many blessings, at the top of the list, number one, I am thankful for the fact that I have been made whole, that I have been made well. Do I want to be healed, Iathe healed? You bet I do. I pray for that all the time. And I am grateful that I am doing well today. I am thankful for my doctors and the medical team and the insurance that provides that for me. But I am also keenly aware that healing at its best is just temporary. I mean, we get healed, but then one day we're not. 
I'm thankful from the bottom of my heart the fact that I have been made well. And at the end of the day, I know peace and I know a real and sure and solid contentment. And it's because I've been made well. Does God care if we are sick? Yes, God does. And God is grieves when we are sick. Does God want us to get better and pray for healing physically? You bet. But friends, God's deepest desire is for us to realize that no matter what's going on with our physical bodies, our emotional or our mental state, God wants us to be whole, to be made well. There are so many times in the New Testament where Jesus does this healing of somebody. And then instead of sending them on their way, go and be a whole body. Go and enjoy that you can walk again. Go enjoy that you can see again. He says to them, go, your sins have been forgiven. He wants them to go with peace that they have been made right with God. Because guess what? The illness could just be the next thing. Something else could just be the next thing. And he says to this woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 20 years ago, uh, a nurse in this congregation, she had this huge heart for people that were really, really, really sick. She was a, she was a nurse and her husband was a doctor. I mean, they had been educated, professionally trained to be able to make people better, physically. But the type of people that Debbie Wilder felt called to, to serve, they weren't going to get better. These were people that struggled with memory loss. What Debbie knew, though, that was while that she and the many volunteers, they could not physically change what was going on with these folks, they could be provided with an environment that would make them live their best life. I want you to watch this video from a couple of years ago of some of these folks. They couldn't help but sing the words to the songs they knew by heart. They couldn't help but start to like move their feet around. Their bodies, they just knew to move. There was laughter. You see, Debbie, she might not have been able to heal them, but she helped make them well. I want you to know that this following Jesus thing that we all do, it's supposed to make us have our best life ever. It might not look the way that a best life that we imagined for ourselves or the world tells us it should be, but friends, that best life is one with God where we have peace 
daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.